Uh, my name is Andy Nelms, and I have the privilege of being the associate pastor here at Lover's Lane and the pastor at Thrive. And I am so excited to get to worship with you um, this morning. Um, as you can tell, we are starting a new uh, sermon series called Redeeming Ritual. This is a, this is a super cool background, and, and um, uh, thank you, DJ, for that graphic. And um, I'm excited to get to share it in this series with you. The series is called Redeeming Ritual. And, and I think this is so important because I think habits are, are so important. And as I've been um, kind of praying about this sermon this week and, and thinking about this, um, this topic, you know, I, I've realized something about habits. Maybe you know this as well. Simply that, that we are creatures of habit. Um, Do you know that? Like, we are uh, creatures of habit, that that we like to do things over and over again, right? Maybe you've noticed this, especially I've noticed this in the pandemic, right? Like, like in the midst of the pandemic, beginning in March, almost all of our habits changed, right? Like, like almost all the things that we were used to are, are now different. And, and so we've had to go through this kind of trauma of learning a new habit, of learning a new routine. And, um, and, and for me and my family, it's certainly been true. We, we've gone through many different habits and many different rituals and, and now have kind of settled into this, this rhythm of life that is kind of the last six and seven months. One of those habits that changed... Um, it was actually Melissa and I's ability to have, you know, kind of a normal date night. You know, we haven't really, like, gone out um, a lot, and, and we haven't had, you know, we've had, like, a certain amount of people that are in our bubble in our home, but, um, and, and so that kind of prevented us from going out. Well, um, just this last weekend, um, my in-laws came to stay with us. I, I, they might even be watching, so, um, hey, Kathy and Jim, but, but they came and stayed with us Thursday um, night and Friday night, and Friday night, Melissa and I got to go on a date. I, I have a picture of it here. You know, I just had to take a picture of it to prove that it happened. Um, this was the, the first date night that Melissa and I have had since March. Um, we sent this picture to our friends, our friend group, and one of my friends said that um, Andy looks like he's trying to, you know, sell you investment opportunities. Um, <laughs> but uh, that's the kind of friends we have. So, uh, uh, no, but, but we had a date night, and it, and it was incredible. But it was this thing, this routine that we had changed in our lives, right? Like this... This, this routine that had changed, this, this ritual, this habit that had changed in the last seven months, and when we finally settled back into it, we realized how important that was to us. And, and it was a really incredible experience. We um, went down to Trophy Park, uh, uh, a sports lounge, and, um, you know, and, and really had like a, like a three-hour dinner. It was, it was awesome. It was great. And, and Melissa and I had great conversation, but another great part of it was to be able to sit in, in silence. Because we haven't had many dinners that have included silence in our house, right? Like we have um, three kids and, and we love them and, and are so excited that we get to share dinner with them most nights now. But, but you know, most of our, our dinners are spent, you know, getting somebody some chocolate milk or, you know, telling somebody else to sit down or, you know, like they've been a little chaotic. And so it was an incredible, incredible thing to be able to institute this habit again that we had practiced before. Maybe you've realized how important habits are in your own life. How important rituals are, that thing that you do over and over again. Maybe you've realized how important those things are in your life. Um, Charles Duhigg, the the writer of The Power of Habit, talks about the, the, the power of habit, right? And he says this, that habits are powerful but delicate. 
They shape our lives far more than we realize. They are so strong, in fact, that they cause our brains to cling to them at the exclusion of all else, including common sense. Right? Maybe you've realized this. Maybe you have habits in your life that you find it difficult to change, difficult to alter, difficult to do something different. You've realized how powerful those habits are in your life. Or maybe you've developed a healthy habit. Maybe of, of eating healthy, maybe of working out, maybe uh, of a habit of prayer, whatever it is. Maybe you've instituted a healthy habit and you've realized how powerful that is in your own life. And so for the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about these habits, talking about these rituals that we practice, both as a community of faith and as an individual, and how those things might be able to be redeemed by God. And, and maybe you're tuning in for the first time. Maybe you haven't ever, you know, really participated in a church, or, or maybe it's been, you know, this is the first time in a long time. I, I'm here to say that I think that you can institute some new habits, some new rituals in your life that can actually help you, that can actually save you, that can actually do you better than doing you harm. And so to understand the, these powers of habits, we're going to um, um, learn this fact that, that you can make your habits or your habits can make you. You can make your habits or your habits can make you. You can either intentionally put habits in your own life and then say, I want this habit. I want this thing in my life because I think that this will help me. Or you can let habits happen to you. And those habits will end up making you. So the question is, how do you want to live? Do you want to be intentional with your life? Do you want to live intentionally and say, this is what I want for me? This is the kind of person that I want to be, or do you want to sit back and let life happen to you? This is going to happen one way or another, but you get to choose how intentional you are going to be. And my hope is, is that you would choose the intentional part of life, that you would be the one choosing the habit. And, and so... Um, we're going to look at the scripture this morning, and, and we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke. Um, so in the New Testament, kind of the later part of the Bible, if you have your Bible, I encourage you to grab it. Um, use it. Maybe it's on a shelf or a, a nightstand or wherever it is, or, or maybe it's even on your phone. Um, I encourage you to, to use a Bible. You know, it, it's, it's helpful. You know, we don't get points for just leaving the Bible on our shelf. It actually, you know, helps to, to use it. And so I encourage you to go ahead and grab that. Now, we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke. So the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke is the third book in the New Testament. Um, the Gospels are the books that tell the stories of Jesus, the account of the good news. This is what gospel means, the good news of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to read out of the Gospel of Luke chapter 22 this morning. Um, and so I just want to get you ready for that. Just go ahead and, and, and be there if you want. But to understand a little bit about Jesus' ministry, we have to understand this fact that Jesus used everyday moments as reminders of God's presence. Jesus used everyday moments as reminders of God's presence. This is what are called miracles, right? Jesus uses these everyday moments and everyday things in order to remind people of God's presence. When, when Jesus shows up in the ancient Near East in Israel and in Galilee in this time, Jesus is surrounded by people who are in need of hope. And so he spends his entire ministry reminding them of God's presence. 
That there are these people who, who need healing, and so he uses these everyday moments to bring them healing. Jesus it, it comes to these people, and, and they need this thing, and so he uses these everyday moments to bring them that thing. And what those things are ultimately reminders of God's presence. And Jesus does this often through meals. Jesus eats 10 meals in the Gospel of Luke. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus is either coming from a dinner or going to a dinner. Like, Jesus eats a lot in the Gospel of Luke. And, and there's one of these accounts, we call it the Last Supper. In, in Luke 22, verse 14 through 20, um, we read this. The, the Gospel writer tells us that the hour came and Jesus took his place at the table and the apostles, his followers, with him. He said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And then, this is what we call the, the Last Supper, the institution of what we call Holy Communion. That Jesus takes a cup and he, after giving thanks, he, he said, T uh, Take and divide this among it yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom comes. And then he took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And, after, and as he did the same with the cup after the supper, saying, This is the cup poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood. Jesus is sharing the Passover meal with the disciples. This was a holy event. Every um, year they would, they would celebrate this holiday known as the Passover in which they celebrated the, the redemption of the people of Israel out of the hands of slavery in Egypt. And they celebrate this every year. This was a routine. This was a ritual. This is a thing that they did. And there was this liturgy. There were these words that they used over and over again to remind them of, of the nation of Israel being redeemed out of, Israel, uh, out, of, out of Egypt. There were these words that they used over and over again. And Jesus comes to that meal and he changes it. He does something completely different. He uses this everyday moment, this every year moment, this ritual, this routine, and he uses it as an opportunity to remind the people of God's presence. And he says, this, this bread is no longer just bread, but it now represents my body, which is broken for you. And he takes the cup and he says, this, this, this wine in this cup is no longer just wine, no longer just drink, but as a reminder of my blood, of the new covenant, of a new promise poured out for you. He says this everyday moment is something used to bless you. And, and Jesus not only practices it with the apostles, but tells them to eat and drink of it every time and remember the sacrifice that Christ has made. In, within the church, we call these sacraments, something sacred. Um, in, in the early church, especially even still today in the Catholic church, um, there were seven sacraments. Um, seven different things they believe were sacred, were holy moments set apart that were um, ways by which they received the grace of God. And, and a little bit later, the Protestant Reformation came. Martin Luther, this is kind of the, the history section, right? The, Martin Luther, uh, on October 31st, 1517, um, nailed his 95 theses to the Castle Church in Wittenberg, Germany. And he, and he said, you know, I think the, the church has gotten a few things wrong. And one of those things were sacraments. And he says, we have these seven sacraments. I think there ought to be two, baptism and communion, because Jesus did them and ordered us to do them as well. Jesus participated in them and commanded us to, to receive them as well. And, and so that's what we do. Why? Because, because Jesus did them. 
And he ordered us to do them as well as followers of him. And so what we call these sacraments, what we call these things are, are a way we receive grace. The grace of God is simply unmerited favor. And we receive the, the grace of God, which is the power to be more like Christ every day of our life. And you know, I've been thinking a lot about this sermon because this is World Communion Sunday and, and maybe you're going to be here um, at 11. Maybe you're going to come to the, um, to the Meadowbrook parking lot here and, and participate in worship in the parking lot and receive Holy Communion. Or maybe you won't. Maybe you're still choosing to stay inside and say, you know what, for me and my family, this is what's right. And, and if that's so, I, I want to encourage you in that. And I've been trying to think a lot about, you know, Jesus had this sacrament, this, this thing that he practiced with the disciples, and he commanded us to practice them as well. And these were everyday moments that Jesus used to remind us of God's presence. And I've been trying to think about, like, well, what is that today? Because we're stuck at home. You know, we're going to open up worship. We're, we're going to come to worship. But we know that there are several of you who are going to choose to remain home. That, you know, for a little while, we are still going to be a little bit separated. That even whenever we come here, it's not going to be the same. So here's what I want to encourage you today. That yes, this is, this, this is something sacred. And we would take every opportunity that, I hope we would take every opportunity that we have to come and receive the Lord's Supper, a sacrament of the church. But even if not, I hope that we would take every opportunity to make everyday moments sacred. I hope, I, my, my hope, my prayer for us is, is that when we, when we leave this space, this kind of holy space we have to worship God, that, that we would go and we would seek to make our everyday moments sacred. That was the entire ministry of Jesus, to go around and point out where God was already active, to say God is here, God is there. And Jesus did this almost most often through meals, right? There were all these meals that Jesus uses throughout the Gospels, especially the Gospel of Luke, in order to bless and to teach. Jesus goes to Levi's house, a tax collector, and, and has this party and blesses these people through this party. Jesus goes to Simon, a Pharisee's house, and the, and the woman comes, and Jesus uses the opportunity not only to bless the woman, but to teach the Pharisees. Jesus feeds 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. Jesus shows Mary and Martha how to receive hospitality. Jesus um, goes to a Pharisee's house and blesses the lawyers there. Jesus has a Sabbath meal with the Pharisees, the lawyers and uses an opportunity to teach about the, the parables, the, the, the lost son. Jesus goes to Zacchaeus's house. Jesus goes to Zacchaeus, the one who had cheated everybody out of money. Jesus blesses him through it. Jesus shares the Last Supper. Jesus breaks the bread at Emmaus after his crucifixion, and Jesus eats a meal with his disciples after he's already been resurrected. Jesus uses all of these everyday moments as a reminder of God's presence, and my hope and my prayer is that we would use everyday moments as a reminder of God's presence. So here's my ask for you this week and for the rest of your life. Just try something this week. Make one habit holy this week. See, there's this temptation to say, okay, I'm going to make every, every moment holy, right? Like, I'm just going to go from here and I'm going to make everything holy. And what we know is that if we try to make everything holy, nothing will be holy. 
right? Like if, if, but, but simply just think right now. Close your eyes and think about your habits, the things that you were doing right now. And try to make one of those holy. Try to set one of those apart and, and set those and, th- and use it as an opportunity to bless others and bless God. Now, now here's what I want to encourage you this week. Don't lower your standard of holy. Raise your standard of habit. Don't lower your, your standard of what counts as holy. Don't say, well, I'm doing this thing. I'm going to set it apart for God, and now it's holy. But raise your standard of habit. If it is worth being in your life, then it's worth being holy. That may mean several things for you. It may mean that, you know, this, this thing that I do, this habit that I have is really, you know, it's difficult to be holy. It's difficult to set that apart toward God. Maybe it doesn't belong in your life. And you're saying, there is this thing that I have, and all i got to do is just tweak it this much, and then I can make it holy. And you say, what does this look like in my life? Well, maybe it is a meal. Maybe, maybe as you're sharing a meal with your family or by yourself, maybe you can in that moment say a prayer of thanksgiving to God for God's sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And use this as a sacramental moment that you can be reminded of God's presence. Or, or, or maybe it's something different. Maybe, when, maybe you're somebody who likes to fix things around your house. Maybe you've had plenty of opportunities now to, to, to fix things. And, and things that are broken are now fixed. Maybe you can use as an opportunity to thank God that he has redeemed us. That he has fixed us through Jesus Christ. Right? Maybe as you're washing your hands, right? Something I hope you're practicing very often. As you're washing your hands, you can be reminded of your baptism. You can use that as, that, as a reminder that, that, that we have died and, and been raised with Christ, that we've been cleansed of our sin, that we can use this as an opportunity to be reminded of God's presence. Or maybe when you practice reconciliation, when you say to another person, I am sorry, and another person says, I forgive you, maybe with your spouse, maybe with a friend or a family member, when you say, I am sorry, and somebody else says, I forgive you, you can thank God that we have been reconciled through Jesus Christ. Friends, I want to remind you, That if it's worth being in your life, it's worth being holy. We have a lot of habits in our life. I want to remind you that you can make your habit or your habit can make you. And my hope and my prayer is that you would choose intention. You'd say, you know what, this is the way I want to be. I've done some things. I have had some practices in my life that have really not been life-giving. They've actually been life-taking. They've been, they've been stealing my life, and, and if left unabated, they will consume me. They will lead to death. Maybe not a physical death where my, my heart stops beating and I stop breathing, but they'll definitely take away my life abundance that Jesus promised me. Friends, I want to encourage you this week to have life and to institute some holy habits in your life. Let me 
Let me just take this opportunity to pray with you. I know maybe there's things going on in your, in your living room right now, wherever you are. Maybe the, the kids are going wild, the dog's barking, the whatever. Maybe, maybe you're at home alone. It's a little too quiet. And every once in a while, you have to remind yourself that there are other people out there. I want to let you know that we love you. And so I'm going to just take this moment to pray with you. And it's okay if there's noise going on. It's okay if there's nothing going on. I just want to take this opportunity to pray with you. And if you'll take this opportunity just to kind of just hold your hands up with your palms up as a, as a reception of the grace of God that God is using this opportunity to bless you. And, and maybe you haven't practiced this before. And it's kind of awkward or, or whatever. That's okay. That's, that's all right. I, I'm going to pray with you. God, I thank you that we have this opportunity to, to be here before you now. And I, I pray, God, that, that this moment would be set apart for you, used to glorify you. But God, that this would not be the only glorifying moment to you in our life. God, I pray for our habits, those things that have crept into our life especially for those things that we wish weren't really there. God, we know what those are. Those are coming up in our minds. As soon as we started talking about habits, God, there was this thing that just hit the pit of our stomach that said, oh, I was hoping I could ignore that today. God, I, I pray that you would redeem it. In the same way that you redeemed death and made it life, God, I pray that you would take that thing in our life, that one thing in our life, God, and that either you would give us your grace, your unmerited favor, your holy power to be more like Jesus, that you would give us your grace to eliminate that habit, to replace it with something else, or God, that you would give us the power to change it, to alter it so that it might give glory to you and life to us and blessing to our neighbors. God, we ask it by the power of the Holy Spirit and in the name of Jesus Christ and all of God's people said, amen.